This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 Thursday afternoon on May 4th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. The writer's strike continues in Hollywood with concerns about streaming and artificial intelligence at the forefront. We'll get the latest from CBS News correspondent Jim Crisula in our next segment. But right now, the latest numbers on jobless claims are out ahead of tomorrow's government employment report for April. And there's a new Gallup survey that finds nearly half of Americans are are nervous about their money in the bank. We're joined by Brian Westbury, Chief Economist, First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Brian, thank you for joining us today. It seems like banking anxiety is here, there, and everywhere, especially today. Let's start with the uh, activity on Wall Street where bank stocks and concerns about the banking sector continue to weigh on investors. Yeah, Rob, it, it is a... it's. And I mean, 50% of Americans are worried about their banks, and that's concerning. And all of this is really because the Fed held interest rates artificially low for almost 15 years, um, below the rate of inflation. A lot of banks went out and bought bonds with their new deposits that have really low interest rates. And now that the Fed is pushing up uh, its federal funds rate, it, it creates losses in the banks. And uh, with people worried, anybody that has more than $250,000 in an account, and I know that uh, that sounds like a big number, but if you have to meet payroll, let's say, uh, you're a company, then what do you do with your cash? And and so they're starting to move that money out of some of the smaller banks to bigger banks, and that puts uh, some of these banks under stress. And and so we're living in a world today where uh, because the Fed held interest rates so low for so long uh, and now is raising them, it's creating problems for banks. So people should be worried. Um, I'm not uh, saying, I mean, the Fed has actually done things to protect depositors uh, and to kind of uh, stop the problems in banks, but the market is really worried. Uh, PacWest, uh, as your Bloomberg reporter just talked about, uh, I think their stock was down 50 or 60% uh, at some point this morning. Um, and so, uh, this isn't over. It, it it will continue, but I don't think it's the kind of crisis that will you know create another Great Depression, let's say, um, because the Fed has tools that it's using to stop that crisis from spreading. But we're going to be nervous for quite some time. 
Now, very quickly, Brian, uh, talking about nervousness, uh, who needs to kind of think twice about uh, the ability to pull funds out of a bank uh, if they have to? Is it the uh, average uh, person who may have a checking and savings account with a big bank like uh, uh, Bank of America or a Chase or a U.S. bank? Or is it a business that may have uh, some business accounts with a smaller regional bank? Yeah, it's it, what what's happening is the smaller uh, regional banks are losing deposits to the we we call them systemically important banks SIBs and uh, because the Fed and and the government has said that they will backstop them all the way. All right, so so really, it's you know if you have less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a bank account. You don't have to worry about anything because that's the FDIC insurance uh, that that is there and it exists. If you have more than that, those are the people that are trying to figure out whether they should move or not move. And uh, that's why we have so much uncertainty today. Uh, if, if, if Every time somebody pulls a deposit from a bank, uh, that means that bank has to sell some investment that they made, and with interest rates up, there's some losses there. And that's why this cascades. That's why we had Silvergate go under. That's why we had uh, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, First Republic, and and everyone's trying to figure out where's the next place that this is going to happen. Uh, But depositors, less than $250,000 have zero to worry about. Um, but at, uh, today, I've not seen this kind of uncertainty around the banking system in decades, um, and it's happening right now. Uh, it reminds me of what happened in the 1970s with the savings and loans. Brian Westbury, Chief Economist, First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Thank you for joining us today. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Members of the Writers Guild of America are on strike, halting production on TV shows and other projects, and part of the dispute involves the use of artificial intelligence to generate scripts. We will have a report on the uh, issues involving the use of AI to uh, write scripts, not only for uh, TV and movies, but on top of that, writing scripts for TV and movies that people actually want to watch. And that is, uh, everyone talks about kind of the political bent of Hollywood as being a rather uh, liberal town. But uh, the movie industry itself is uh, one of the most uh, cruelly capitalist uh enterprises out there. You either succeed or fail. There is no gray area. You cannot massage the idea of something being a hit when it clearly is not. And what happens if an AI script flops? We'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of minutes. But on the subject of AI, the parent company of fast food chains, Hardee's and Carl's Jr., bringing automated drive through ordering to its restaurants. Let's talk about the uh, explosion of AI in fast food with Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality works the restaurant coach in Chicago thank you for joining us today Izzy how will AI be used uh, in the fast food space there are a couple of ideas especially making them more efficient and and uh, turnaround times a lot faster but what are some of the ways in which uh, AI ideas are being put into practice you know um, the this particular group uh, you know the Hardy's group has really been I think the strongest group pushing the AI, developing it, and really 
getting it to work the way that they want. I mean, they're going to go to a major rollout, which nobody else is ready for. So it's going to help. Number one, you pull up, you're going to understand, uh, you know, the, every word that AI says. There's not going to be any mix-up. You're not going to hear the loud sounds in the background or anything like that. They uh, are also saying, and I certainly believe this, that the accuracy of your order is going to be substantially better. Uh, AI is not going to make those mistakes. It's taking the information uh, and going from there. And probably the biggest thing, and and Hardy's is talking about what they call the upsell. And uh, what that means is, you know, you order uh, the roast beef sandwich, and employees are supposed to ask you, you know, do you want a large drink? Do you want large French fries? All those kind of things. To me, it's just selling. So this AI, I think the biggest benefit is it's programmed to ask you all those questions. Uh, and uh, that way it'll increase their sales. But I think it's going to make for a much happier customer. And on top of that, it could potentially mean for a much more productive restaurant because that employee who is no longer uh, taking orders at the drive-thru can do other things inside the restaurant. Absolutely. And, you know, the reality is it's going to uh, probably, you know, cut out conceivably three full-time employees at every restaurant uh, because um, now, you know, AI is there and they can live without one, one employee. So that's a labor cost issue for sure, which is huge. But the other thing is that they've developed this AI to, uh, you know, so that employees still will wear a headset and they can hear all of the transactions. So if there's something that needs to be done, uh, you know, the employee can step in. So uh, that, that also is, is pretty interesting to me. Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. The Restaurant Coach, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, Google makes it easier to log in without a password and AI in Hollywood. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Members of the Writers Guild of America are on strike, halting production on TV shows and other projects. And part of the dispute involves the use of artificial intelligence to generate scripts. Let's discuss the situation with Jim Crisula, CBS News correspondent, has been following the strike. Jim, thank you for joining us today. Uh, the, the, the bulk of the strike is about streaming residuals and the very quickly changing economic model of uh, television, but it seems like the AI dispute was added at the last minute, especially uh, as the discussion about AI and people's comfort level with it uh, really developed over the last couple of months. Very much so, Rob. Good to talk to you again, by the way. Yeah, we're talking about money and job security, basically. The 11,000-plus members of the Writers Guild of America, certainly an impasse, Robin. It doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. No talks are scheduled. The WGA members did meet with their union reps yesterday in New York and L.A. to kind of get an update as to where things stand. But again, yeah, this whole idea of AI, and obviously, Rob, this is happening against the backdrop of the fact that you and I and all of your many listeners on BBM there have changed and are changing the way we watch things, movies, TV shows, any kind of video. So, again, that's where this whole issue of job security comes in. And then you add, yes, that AI element to it. And and a lot of people just wondering what the future holds, certainly for these writers. 
And for the writers, the issue is not only you know being paid for the work that they have and making sure they get residuals from it, even as the streaming model. You know, they're still trying to perfect that as well as artificial intelligence. But that their source material, the stuff that they have written for shows or movies in the past, is not used to train AI to let's say churn out Star Wars scripts in the future. That's exactly right, and that's a big part of this, too. The whole issue of copyright comes into play here as well. Who holds the copyright the copyrights for, for these scripts, again, from the past? And again, how, how do they handle this with, with a, a prototype, if you will, as we go into the future? What, who knows what kind of situation you're going to have in terms of the writing of these scripts for movies and television? Television, I should say. And uh, the, this, the, the, the last time the writers went on strike, uh, 2007, resolved in early 2008, the issue there was uh, uh, revenue from cable TV because uh, a lot of the shows that were formerly on networks and uh, getting exposure and funding that way were moving over to AMC and HBO, and the uh, writers and the producers uh, were at loggerheads over that particular economic right. model. Three years later... Uh, Netflix introduces House of Cards on streaming, and then all of a sudden the world of TV changed. So you can have a strike that addresses all of the economic and technological issues in the here and now, but you don't know what sort of technological meteor is lurking in in 2024-25. Certainly well put. And, And again, the strike has hit Hollywood studios at a challenging time, obviously, Rob. Conglomerates are under pressure from Wall Street to make their streaming services profitable. They've put billions of dollars into programming to attract subscribers, again, you and I. And again, this is a big gamble on their part, and and they're under pressure from Wall Street investors to produce. The rise of streaming certainly has eroded television ad revenue as traditional TV audiences shrink, and again, more and more of us, go online and, and do streaming. Jim Crisula, CBS News correspondent, thank you for the status update on the uh, WGA strike, uh, which has already idled late-night TV. The talk shows are off the air, and Saturday Night Live will be in a rerun this weekend. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date Detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Verdicts are in for four of five members of the Proud Boys accused of conspiring to attack the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to keep Donald Trump in power two years ago. A decision's been reached in a trial involving a song written by superstar singer Ed Sheeran. Technology Thursday, Google is debuting a new login method using a pass key instead of a 
password, and the sheer volume of streaming services appears to be reaching a tipping point. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 253 points. The NASDAQ is down 6. The S&P 500 is down 14. 65 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies, going up to 71. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, a partial verdict is in for the Proud Boys involvement in the unrest at the U.S. Capitol in 2021. Former group leader Enrique Tarrio has been convicted of orchestrating a plot to attack the U.S. Capitol in a desperate bid to keep Donald Trump in power. CBS News correspondent Scott McFarland is covering the case and says the jury has resumed deliberations. Convicting four of these five far-right Proud Boys members of seditious conspiracy. They haven't reached a verdict yet on that fifth member on the charge of seditious conspiracy. But they also convicted all five on other federal charges, including obstruction of an official proceeding, one of the most common charges in January 6 cases. The backbone of the government's case is hundreds of messages exchanged by Proud Boy members in the days leading up to the January 6, 2021 assault. A jury in New York has found that British singer Ed Sheeran and a co-writer did not steal key components of Marvin Gaye's classic 1970s tune Let's Get It On when they created his hit song, Thinking Out Loud. The singer insisted during test sometimes angrily, that the trial was a threat to all musicians who create their own music. The suit was filed by the family of a Let's Get It On co-writer, not relatives of Marvin Gaye. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red today. We're joined by Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer with Crescent Capital based in Chicago. Jack, thank you for joining us today. Markets are down yet again. Yesterday's sell-off was in reaction to the interest rate announcement. Today, is it still uh, banking anxiety or is it a, a lingering interest rate hangover? Yeah, I think it's uh, still um, interest uh, anxiety on the banks. Um, in fact, if you look at just the components of the S&P 500, the banking industry is down the most today, down about 2.5%. Um, and that's really uh, you know, driven lower by a lot of the regional banks in the, in the, the index. And this is interesting, and maybe it shouldn't be surprising, that uh, this latest round of uh, regional and mid-sized bank anxiety uh, falls after a lot of people said that maybe the banking crisis or the worst of it was over. I, I think uh, I would tend to agree with it. Uh, the bank uh, crisis, in fact, I would call it more of a turmoil, uh, is behind us. And really, there, there are two pieces of the puzzle. The main one is that Pure and simply, bank deposit rates are just not competitive. Uh, the fact that the uh, Federal Reserve raised interest rates 10 consecutive times uh, from you know, zero to five and a half percent within a little uh, more than a year uh, means that the banks are now you know, caught flat footed uh, with deposit rates that are just not competitive. Um, now, I will say half of uh, what I, I saw a survey recently that said half of Americans are worried about the credit worthiness of their deposits. I, I don't think that's a concern. I just think it's the competitiveness of those deposits that are causing problems for the banking system. There was some discussion yesterday in Jay Powell's news conference about the uh, the way forward from here. Uh, what would be beneficial to banks and to depositors? Would it be an interest rate pause or an interest rate cut? Well, probably an interest rate cut. Uh, 
uh, again, the, the, the sooner that these deposit rates become closer to market, and over time they will, uh, um, uh, the better. And so probably certainly a pause uh, could, um, uh, could you know, allow them to catch up. I, my sense is this whole issue will be resolved in the next 12 months. It just takes time uh, for those deposit rates to uh, catch up. Part of the reason for the concern yesterday in the markets was um the uh the chairman kind of quashing any uh hope that rates would be cut anytime soon even though the futures market suggests that we will see lower overnight rates uh trend lower uh, toward the end of the year. And people are starting to throw the recession word around once again. Uh, Powell himself said uh, a shallow recession was definitely a possibility for later this year. Is that also part of the reason why uh, 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 there's a, a little bit of a sell-off going on, despite the fact that NASDAQ has turned positive? Yeah, I think that uh, that could be part of it. The fact is that with you know inflation, a uh, core inflation running at 4.5% or so, uh, it will take a, a, you know, a reduction of demand in order to start to quell these prices. And that reduction in demand may have to correspond to a higher unemployment rate, which case could lead to recession. But I would uh, we're in the camp that we do think we will have a shallow recession um, where we've got a lot of cylinders uh, working very well for this economy right now. Uh, so I think that any downturn we have, either at the end of this year or early next year, will likely be modest. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, a new way to log into Google accounts. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday, and Google is debuting a new method for users to log in. Let's learn about the passkey from Jerry Irvine, CIO, Prescient Solutions, member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force, based in Chicago. Jerry, thank you for joining us today. And how does this uh, passkey differ from, uh, let's say, you have a Google account and all of your website passwords are stored inside of it? Well, first off, the storing of passwords uh, generally is not an accepted you know, uh, good idea, right? But what they've done now with the passkey is they you will put the uh, information in there. It's uh, going to be an encrypted um, data that's saved in the system, and it, you only save it in your devices. So it's basically becoming a multi-form factor authentication for you. So it, first off, you're gonna it's going to automatically enter the passkey for you. Then it's going to check and make sure that this is your device right, the device that you have registered for the passkey, and then it's going to require whatever type of authentication you have on that device, whether it is facial recognition, like in the iPhones, or a, a, a fingerprint uh, that it can be on any mobile device or even your, your computer. So it, it really is using three forms of identification. It's using the passkey, something you know, the device, something you have, and then your facial or biometric recognition, which is something you are. So it's all three means of multi-form factor authentication. Now, this may seem like a basic question, Jerry, but uh, what major security concerns does this address? Well, uh, first off, it, it would address uh, any kind of spam or phishing where people are coming in and trying to grab or ask you, you know, personally identifiable information such as 
your password. Uh, it also would uh, help you with uh, malicious applications that go in and read the cookies or read your information, do keystroke uh, uh, capture on your devices that could grab your passwords because you're not actually entering them. And, and uh, so it, it helps you pretty much for malicious applications or spam or any of that. Now, what is your review of this, of the Google passkey as a cybersecurity professional? Well, I, I, I've only started using it. I think it's a, a wonderful idea. Um, a little bit of a concern on how they are storing the data, but the fact that it uses three different means of authentication, uh, that makes it really good. Uh, you know, using just a password or just facial recognition like you can have on your mobile device, anytime you use just one means of authentication, it's much easier to hack, right? But by requiring multiple different factors for authentication, in this case, again, something you know, which is the, the passkey, something you have, which is your device, and something you are, which is some type of biometric, by doing that, it's going to make it a lot more difficult for anybody to come in and hack your, your accounts. And then very quickly, Jerry, and this may seem like a silly question, but uh, since you're here, I'll ask you, uh, how, how is this information stored? Is it on a physical device or does it stay inside of your Google account and then you could use it across uh, multiple platforms? No, it stays on the individual devices. It is encrypted on your device. Uh, that's why we're telling you at this point, don't create a passkey and put it on a device that you don't own. So you don't go to the the library and use a, a device and put your passkey in there because the next person who comes in is going to have both your passkey and the device, right? So you can only you, you only want to use this on your own devices. Jerry Irvine, CIO, Prescient Solutions, member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us. And join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, did the streaming bubble pop? Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The past few years have featured an explosion of streaming services, but there are maybe signs that consumers are deciding that enough is enough. Let's check in with Tom Lason, media analyst based in Seattle. Find him on Twitter, at Tom Lason. Tom, thank you for joining us today. And the uh, latest person to have their time in the barrel is Paramount Global, which, of course, uh, the owner of Paramount Pictures, the, 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 the TV and film studio, the Paramount Plus streaming service, uh, the CBS uh, television network and its associated properties. Uh, shares falling 25% after a weak earnings report, and it's those streaming losses leading the way. Yeah, it sure is. You know, I'm going to start an NFT with a podcast about crypto. What am I saying there in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way? <laughs> that this is just another example of sort of bubble behavior that we're seeing here. We've gone through these bubbles, and I frankly think we're going into one on AI right now. But, you know, the attitude with streaming was went from you've got to be in it to win it to, oh, my gosh, this is really hard. <laughs> you've talked about Paramount Global trying to diversify um, their TV properties dropped seven to eight percent, you know, MTV, Comedy Central and whatnot. But Paramount, get this, lost five hundred eleven million dollars, half a billion dollars last year and another one point seven billion dollars in costs. Um, to combine Paramount and Showtime, looking for those efficiencies and those synergies. 
Um, Backish, uh, CEO Bob Backish says that this is going to be peak losses for the streaming business with profitability, of course, coming, uh, coming next year. But I'm not sure when you pointed out what the shares are doing, if the market's buying that. And, and once again, the, the problem that the streaming services are discovering is the same problem that uh, television is facing, the same problem that radio has been facing, the same problem that print has been facing. And that is you replace your traditional dollars with digital dimes. No one has, I mean, the, 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 the the future-oriented strategy hasn't really worked for anybody. And that's a downside. That's the thing that keeps everybody up at night. But the thing that should also help you sleep better is that no one's figured it out yet. So the solution is just around the corner, and you could very well be a part of it. Well, yeah, the solution is going to end up probably being consolidation. How much room is there in any vertical, Rob, for car companies or airlines, you name it? And I will tell you that in kind of a backdoor way, I think this is part of the rider strike. Um, We talked about this before. The Internet is a disintermediating force, and trading those dollars for dimes is a part of this whole thing. Oh, and by the way, we're also possibly going into a recession where ad dollars are going to drop anyway. So it is hard to make a profit in this stuff. Producing hit shows is really hard. Getting the right people on the bus to produce those programs is really hard. And, um, you know, we're going to – there isn't going to be 20 streaming services charging you $7.99 a month – for the for the rest of eternity that's going to change this is a this is a food for thought for a longer conversation later but the first sector of the entertainment industry to really kind of get hit with both barrels by digital disruption was the music business and it was a long and painful transition process but they finally figured it out and uh, at least it, it took 20 years but they they found an economic model that worked for them yeah, there's going to be winners and losers. There, just like with the airlines or like we mentioned, any other vertical, there are going to be a handful of successful streamers who are able to be efficient, produce things that are aren't are not a hundred million dollars an episode, um, and have robust uh, pricing power with a good group of subscribers, and they're going to make it. And then we're going to be on to the next thing. Tom Lason, media analyst in Seattle. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.